Hey, what's up? It's Gustavo Ariano. Today, we're running a repeat of an awesome conversation between my colleagues, Metro reporter Faith Bingo and culture writer Daniel Hernandez. They talked about something quintessentially California, car culture, specifically the resurgence of cruising. You know, the slow parade of cars, usually classic bombs or boats like Impalas or Fleet Lines. Some of them are low riders, some bounce with hydraulics, but all are blasting the jams as they drive low and slow, you know? In Southern California, cruising has always been a ritual. But during COVID-19 lockdowns, cruising became a form of release. I'm Faith Pinu. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today, Daniel takes us through the cast of characters and cars that have been lining the wide boulevards of Southern California for decades. We look at who is embracing cruising culture and the activity's uneasy relationship with law enforcement. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Faith. Okay, so before we get started, I know a lot of people who, like me, aren't from California and may not know what lowriders are. Can you give like a brief history for those of us who are unfamiliar with it? Yeah, well, for sure, listeners everywhere have probably seen them. The iconography of West Coast style vintage lowrider cars really is everywhere, all over popular culture, music videos, films, video games. But lowriders are basically these big old cars that are dropped and usually modified to have hydraulics. And there really has been a resurgence. Uh, photographer Esteban Oriol told me uh, during the course of my reporting that he believes that this would arguably be about the third biggest wave in low riding. So it's definitely a historical practice and a historical kind of pop uh, iconic image. So I think you went to a couple of cruising events when you were reporting this story, right? Like, how many did you go to and what was the vibe like? Yeah, so since about last winter, I started going to these cruises. I noticed that they were going on and really growing and expanding, sort of frightfully because it was really the height of the off-winter surge that we had here in Southern California. But, you know, I noticed that they were happening, so I went out there to check them out in East L.A., all the way down to the border in San Diego, they really were going on everywhere and still are. And every weekend there were more and more flyers and more and more calls to to gather in this way. So I thought, hmm, like what's going on here? And why is this practice sort of counterintuitively to what was going on in the pandemic growing? And actually around February, I sort of finally worked up the courage to um, focus on one cruise and I took some audio equipment to Van Nuys Boulevard in beautiful Van Nuys in the San Fernando Valley and decided to record myself just talking to folks and observing what was going on. We're looking at cars galore, trucks, hydraulics, hoppers, Chevys, a lot of Cadillacs. They're the kind of cars that take your breath away when you first see them. Or if you're a real car aficionado, we'll break your heart. Sometimes if it looked like there was an earthquake going on, there were so many cars hopping. People inside the cars are also taking pictures of people outside the cars. Others are in lawn chairs sitting around, babies piled up 
in the back seats, of course. You know, looking back, it was actually a little chaotic. There was a lot of music playing. There's tons of people out there. Not everyone was in mass at the time, um, you know, and a lot of different drivers were coming through from different parts of the city. And there were also kind of younger drivers in newer cars. And these were the kinds of vehicles that you could tell were sort of more interested in racing and doing burnouts. They refer to burnouts because you obviously leave a lot of crazy tire skids. Um, the tires will smoke like crazy. And, you know, a lot of kids like doing that right now. It is a totally illegal and kind of pirate activity. Then <laughs> lowriders and cruising and are pretty dangerous. So there was definitely sort of like a tension there that I was noticing between these different kinds of cars. But overall, I would say it was a kind of pretty peaceful sort of family friendly gathering. I do definitely want to hear more, but we've got to take a break. We're back. Daniel, I know we've got some gearheads in the audience, and I want to hear more about the cars themselves. So break it down for me. Like, what kind of machines are we looking at? So most of the cars that you will see out there are definitely lowriders. The 1964 Impala is, of course, you know, it's kind of like the crown jewel of all the lowriders. It's the one that is pretty much most coveted and appears in most of the films and kind of pop culture moments that you've seen. But of course, there are also Cadillacs, there are Buicks, other kinds of Chevys, Monte Carlos, things like that. To be a lowrider, the vehicle has to be dropped, and they're usually dropped uh, with weight and um, usually have other modifications. Lots of 13-inch tires, and when they're totally done up, they have hydraulics. And so this is basically with the use of air compressors, the cars are able to lift or hop off the ground or sometimes stand on just three wheels. Here are some of the lowriders themselves, the people describing their vehicles. What is it? It's a 54 Hudson Hornet. It's pretty rare. Took the original engine out. It's got a 350 Chevy, 350 Trans. Over 50 miles an hour, it's a death machine. I got a 72 Colors, Atomic Orange. I put a lot of work in it. I had to restart over everything. Everything on it, I had to redo. And this is the outcome. Me and the family get out, we take a ride. It's nice to look at other cars other than yours. That was uh, Ruben Lomelli and also Will, who wouldn't give us his last name, but he's from the San Fernando Valley. And basically you can just tell that people put a lot of money and time into building their cars. These are real collector's items. And they really kind of have this other kind of amorphous sentimental value really to a lot of people. So some of the folks I met were a couple named Lona and Ed Aguirre. They showed me Lona's tangerine and pearl white 1951 shoebox Ford sedan, really amazing. And Lona calls it her baby. Is that the transmission? That's the, oh, the yeah. shifter okay, thing, yeah. Okay, wow. That's yeah. So to me, this is my baby since all my, my kids are all mother. gone. We yeah. have six grown adult wow. children. So. Good for you? Yeah, so Good now they're you. all gone and it's like, I need a toy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a car person, personally, Faith. I mean, I see a car as something that gets you from point A to point B. I respect cars. My dad actually has a lot of old cars. I do remember him taking us out to brunch on Sunday 
in his 36 Chevy Deluxe. It was an amazing, amazing, super elegant car. And like there we were, you know, going to the House of Pancakes in National City. So for me, this was really cool to kind of um, reach back into those memories and just remember how deeply embedded again, this culture is on the streets of Southern California. Oh, man, I love that. It sounds like anytime you were with your dad's car, it was like a whole family event, everyone getting together. And from what you reported and what I read, it sounds like that's not really unusual for the L.A. lowrider culture, right? Like these cars are drawing people from all ages, kids, their parents, their grandparents, like it's a whole family affair. Totally, totally. There are people who are out there cruising and maybe who've been doing it or did it before in the 70s and the 80s or in the 90s, now they're in their 50s and 60s themselves. They are grandparents. Um, many of them, as one of the organizers, Martin Jimenez told me, did hard time in prison or they became Christian and sort of like became more peaceful in their lives. And so it's a real mix, but there are also other people who are drawn. I mean, social media allows these truck clubs that come out, van clubs. You can see kind of some of the stickers and some of the modifications that they do to refer to the different clubs and organizations. And so while I was out there, I spoke to a guy named Michael Mario Olguin, and he's a retired diesel mechanic from the city of Norwalk. He's 68 years old, and he told me how he got into cars. Uh, I, my, my dad was a diesel, my dad was a mechanic, so he was always working on the classics. I call classics, the 39s, the 40s, couple Model Ts, to be honest with you. And I, when he would bring the cars home as a little kid, I would play in the oil. I would uh, help my dad, put a tire on, uh, do something with it. So I, I grew up with it. So this man's been cruising since 1966. And he described a little bit about the difference between then and now. I think actually the cars in general are getting more better looking. The guys are taking more pride in what they're driving, how they're driving it. They're, they're getting younger. Just amazing from a, just an old beat up car to now pretty paint jobs, rims. Now the car is coming out with lights. Uh, we didn't have those in those days. Just had them in the, in the wheel well at that time. You know, it's tough because there are people like Mario and then there's a lot of other people now. And as I said, sometimes this can lead to a little bit of chaos and a little bit of tension. We saw it in East LA and it was also happening in Van Nuys. Um, complaints from neighbors, neighboring businesses that there were simply too many people. And although most of the people there have been doing their best to follow the law, there have been instances where law enforcement have had to clear out some of these gatherings or give out a bunch of tickets. There are a lot of factors for that and we can discuss it, but it is certainly far more peaceful and far more organized today than um, the kinds of cruising activity that we saw back in the 80s and 90s. Coming up, what happens when cruising gets all fast and furious? and lowriders butt heads with the cops. That's after this break. Daniel, we've been speaking to you about the resurgence of cruising culture. Now, normally these modified cars are illegal to drive here in California, right? What were some of the most notable moments that these events got shut down by police? 
This issue was particularly acute in East LA on Whittier Boulevard. Last summer, my colleague Alejandro Reyes Velarde wrote about how the lowrider clubs there had to negotiate some kind of a solution and actually shut down the crews themselves because there were too many kind of peripheral problems that were occurring right there on Whittier Boulevard, which, you know, as we all know, is very dense and a very historic street. So I talked about this with Angel Zamora. Angel's really interesting. She is just a full-on lowrider superfan, and she actually runs a really cool Instagram account called World Famous Angel One. She has a magazine. It's devoted largely to women lowriders and women cruisers, and she sort of broke down what's going on here at the street level. Now, the cruise that happened on Whittier Boulevard, you've got two, there's two situations going. You've got a younger crowd of people that come, they do burnouts, they cause problems, vandalism, they just, they're a problem. And the Loretta community has a council, and it's a, bu it's a bunch of members from different car clubs that come together, they work with the police to bring everything to an understanding, to allow them to cruise, and at the same time, they're policing the area. So they don't let bad things happen to businesses and, and uh, you know, the crowds, that are, the families that are there. So what happened on the cruise night is that they everything came to a head. Uh, but eventually, again, they were able to negotiate the Los Angeles Lowrider Community, which is this coalition organization, um, was able to bring back the crews on Whittier Boulevard. But again, you know, I'm still monitoring the scene and I do see moments where they say, OK, guys, we're shutting down tonight. They'll announce it on Instagram. And then that's usually when some of the younger cruisers will kind of peel off and gather somewhere else. Basically, the lowriders, they need the police um, at least to cooperate with them. You know, it's better to have a good relationship with law enforcement as opposed to an antagonistic one because it prevents these kinds of gatherings from getting, you know, harassed or shut down. Yeah, there's a bit of history here, right? Like, Daniel, do you remember in the 90s these activities were frowned upon? Wasn't there an association with gang culture? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will say that that association was maybe perhaps exaggerated. Um, but definitely that there was sort of an element back in that period um, in which there was an overlap between um, uh, street gang culture and lowrider and cruising culture. You know, you will see this in many films, you know, Mi Vida Loca, uh, American Me, Blood and Blood Out, uh, cruising in terms of barrio films and in terms of um, uh, cultural production that sort of reflects uh, Mexican-American, Southern California kind of like urban life. You're always going to see a lowrider, if not centrally in those kinds of films, um, but definitely sort of in the background. That, again, the, according to police and according to the lowriders and according to historians and cultural observers, that element is pretty much, you know, gone. Um, gang activity in general in Southern California is really, really decreased um, comparatively to the 90s. So it's really interesting to hear how um, long-term cruisers and long-term lowrider fans and aficionados have been able to maintain their love of the culture and, and focus on the cars themselves. And then there's also, of course, like a media that revolves around the cars. And there's also a resurgence in that. There's a new magazine called uh, Chinguan Magazine. It's a car publication, a lowrider publication. And it's run by a fellow named Horacio Romero. Um, you could keep on doing the street thing, but it gets tired after a while. And uh, there has to be some sort of a 
line you can't cross, and that's where low riding comes in. You could be from a different neighborhood. We don't get along, but nobody brings up neighborhoods, nobody brings up colors, nobody brings up streets, nothing. It's all about low riding, having fun, uh, shaking hands, breaking bread, and meeting new people. No streets, and if there's anything street related to that, everybody knows what to do. They won't check them, but they'll talk to them. Like, hey, you know what? Take that somewhere else, not here. I thought it was pretty encouraging that, you know, people, again, are kind of policing themselves. And what that ultimately allows is for them to not have to be sort of incurred upon by law enforcement and maybe causing a confrontation of some kind that, you know, all of us want to avoid, really. So like with everything else, right, the pandemic affected the lowrider culture. What did you find out in your reporting about how COVID-19 affected this community? It was really striking to me that one of the first people that I really interviewed and got down and talked to was a guy named Mike Molina. His dad died at the very beginning of the pandemic in April 2020. He inherits this 1972, I believe, Econoline Ford van. And so you still want to be out here and do this? I mean, it's part of... For it's culture. You, it's culture. It's culture and it's, it's history. Yeah. What history? What, what do you mean by that? History is because my dad used to cruise Van Nuys Boulevard in this van. This van. From his dad who died, and his dad had actually cruised in that same vehicle in the 70s, and now his argument was, I'm going to keep cruising in his honor. Mike also lost in that same car. Mike also lost his mom in the pandemic. Really, um, this was a scene and a community like Latinos in LA County, more broadly, that was deeply affected by the pandemic. And we suffered so many losses, right? That ten, thousands and thousands of people in LA County, many of them brown, many of them black. And so you can feel kind of the pandemic kind of hanging over the scene. Um, at the same time, I found it interesting to note that a lot of the lowriders who were like, pushing back against the argument that there should not have been any of this during the pandemic at all, sort of arguing that, hey, you know, this is sort of like structurally a pretty safe activity. You stay in your car, people who were on the sidewalks, families and older folks on the sidewalks were in masks. My, I was certainly in a mask. So was Alan Shaban, uh, Myung Chan, our colleagues from the photo department who took amazing photos with the story. You know, I was pretty safe when I was out there reporting, but there was a lot of people who um, were not, um, truthfully. Um, so like everything else, the pandemic did play a role in, in what was going on here. But what I found so interesting, again, about the culture is the resiliency of it kind of allowed for even a flourishing, even during this horrible time. Okay, you just hinted at it, but I've got one last question for you. Why did you want to take on this story? I just love doing this kind of stuff. This is my jam. And, you know, my editors are sometimes like, you're taking so long to turn in this story. But I'm like, once you have it, I think you're going to love it. And for me, whatever is going on at street level is sort of like the lay of the land, in my opinion, that we can still have street life and street culture, even in the worst of times, in a city this big, this um, diverse and this layered. Daniel, thank you so much for this interview. Faith, thank you so much. Super fun talking to you.
And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, a Times investigation about how the LA County Sheriff's Department overwhelmingly stops Latinos on bicycles in LA County. The numbers ain't pretty. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, and Melissa Kaplan. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb, and our theme music is by Andrew Epen. Special thanks to Julia Turner, Hector Becerra, Shelby Grad, Laurie Ochoa, Ken Kwok, and BJ Turhun. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us the Puccia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias.